Hey everyone, welcome back to the Luminary. My name is Josie. And my name is Monica. And today we're going to talk about Halo Rubicon Protocol, uh, the latest book by Kelly Gay, which is also the latest book in a series of books that makes me cry every time. It's her latest book that she's published, but as of as of like <laughs> 10 minutes ago. <laughs> we just saw the tweet that she's writing Halo Epitaph. Yeah. And it's about the didact. And I know we're talking about Rubicon Protocol today, but I can't wait to read a book about the didact. Yeah, our pre-episode chat went into some kind of spiral when Josie was like, oh my god, did you see the announcement? I was like, what announcement? Let let me check Twitter one more time before I mute my phone. What? And then we just screamed for like 15 minutes. Yes, yeah. Like, we didn't even talk. We were just yelling. So, essentially, any, any thoughts in our brain right now is just Kelly Gay. Um, which is perfect for this episode yeah i mean we were preparing to talk about this episode and then we saw a future book announcement from her (laughs) and and now i just let's just let's talk about rubicon protocol this yeah let's do it (sighs) this book so i do want to note um this is not going to be a plot walkthrough this is going to be more of just talking about our overall thoughts of the book kind of Mm -hmm. our, our favorite or most notable moments things like that yes um so it's not gonna be like a beat by beat you know this happened and then this happened um that said this is not a spoiler free episode (laughs) not at all we're gonna be talking about all the things that happened so if you if you were looking for something to not spoil you or if you haven't read the book i i would suggest clicking away now (laughs) Uh, we we would love to share our thoughts with you but we also would love for you to read rubicon protocol because it is a very good book yes spoiler alert we liked it we loved it so Josie, let's let's talk about like some of the basics, the setup for this book. Yes. Um, when does this take place? Uh, so Rubicon Protocol takes place in the six or so months between the opening, the cutscene of Halo Infinite, right. or rather, right before John wakes up. When we see Chief get his ass handed to him by Atriox in that first cutscene. That's when the book starts. Mm-hmm. God, he really just get, gets wrecked by Atriox. <laughs> he does. I really like that cutscene, actually. I unapologetically love seeing Atrox beat the shit out of any Spartan he comes across. Um, but Atrox isn't in this book, unfortunately. He's name-dropped, but he's not in the book. Yeah, um, actually a lot, we'll talk about this a little later, but a lot of the mm-hmm. um, main characters um, in in the games, like in Lasky, Locke, Palmer, all those good people, mm-hmm are not in this book. Yeah. But this actually covers and expands on a lot of the audio logs that we find in the campaign. Mm-hmm. So it kind so, of elaborates on those side stories, right? Yeah. Like when you're, you know, when you're running through Zeta Halo and you come up with these audio logs uh-huh. from Spartan Stone, Spartan Kovan, mm-hmm. Horvath. Um, yeah, you get to learn more about the stories. What were they doing around that time? A real notable one is when Makovich um, runs her drop pod like right through a phantom, oh, I yeah. believe. And she just, like, tells the Marines, like, you're good, keep going. And then she just ends ends off her statement with, yet problem. Like, that, that audio log yeah. is, it, it's one of the little, one of the little character vignettes for, for her in the, yeah. in the book. So it's it's very good. Yeah, it is pretty cool. A lot of that, a lot of, so I actually, like, was working through some of the, the audio logs as I was coming across dialogue that I recognized. Mm-hmm. So I was reading it, and I was like, oh, I, I'm almost 99% sure that was an audio log. And I go look it up. Yeah. Like, yep, that's it. I, I went back and I read all of Lucas's, not read, I listened to all of Lucas's yeah. audio logs. Yeah, they're, yeah. yeah they happen. Mm-hmm. They hurt even more. Right. So um, to kind of just, so like this is kind of, this book kind of 
um, as a side story to Infinite. Um, mm-hmm. I think you, you can... You do not need yeah. to read this to understand Infinite. Infinite does not need Rubicon Protocol, but Infinite is... There, there's so much more that's fleshed out after reading Rubicon Protocol that I know in my next playthrough of Infinite, I will be experiencing mm-hmm. it way differently. Yeah. In, like, a very good way, because it just adds so much to the to the Zeta Halo incident. Yeah. Which is, I wanted to, I was thinking about, like, what books have done that before, and I mm-hmm. think the, the, like, the most reminiscent book is probably The Flood. Yeah. Yeah. Because if, if you, like, take out all the scenes with John in The Flood, mm-hmm. yeah, that's Rubicon Protocol. You follow everyone else, the Marines, the, 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 the Marines, the, the Banished. And not to say that they're, like, small-time players, but it does talk about, like, everyone who's not the main character. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, I, yeah, that's right. Because the Flood does talk about, like, John, and it's kind, it, that's a little bit more of, like, a play-by-play of CE. Yeah. Um, but this is actually its own standalone companion to the game. Yeah. Companion's probably, like, the best mm-hmm. best description for it, because it's it's mm-hmm. it enriches Infinite, and this book is enriched so much by Infinite. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they're not necessary for each other. We have a few main characters that we follow through this mm-hmm. game. We have Spartan Stone, Kovan, Horvath. And then we also have uh, Lucas Browning. He is a combat medic. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have... Who else do we have, Josie? We have TJ Murphy. Murphy! That is one of the characters I did not at all expect to show up in a novel ever. I was unfortunately Kelly spoiled. <laughs> I am so sorry. But, I mean, Kelly Gay, pulling from any little corner she can for her books, it's just... I don't know how she does it. Yeah. She gets, like, the one thing I don't expect to happen, and, like, Murphy from Spartan Ops is here? Mm -hmm. Oh, we're we're talking about uh, Bastion in this book? Mm -hmm. Spoilers for uh, Point of Light. Um, (laughs) But, um... (laughs) She's just really good at just getting all these elements from from Halo and just incorporating them in her story just beautifully. Murphy was just a Pelican pilot you run into in uh in Spartan Ops uh, a handful of times, you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. You save him from a from a, a Covenant prison at one point. Mm-hmm. There's a running gag with Murphy where every time he's like on the radio and a, and he's talking <laughs> to a Spartan and the Spartan's like, "Hold on a minute. Murphy, that you?" Yeah. Murphy's like, "Yeah, that's me." Yeah, that that was exactly my my first reaction to hearing the name Murphy. I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah, Murphy, Spartan Ops Murphy. And that could I mean that's like in the book. He he's kind of the Spartan whisperer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he like they kind of he he just can read them a lot more than the read other them folks. Read like the book. Yeah, cause he's had to deal with their sh- nonsense <laughs> so much. And there are other there are other characters. There's oh yeah a, a, a the whole slew book of characters that that yeah. we follow throughout the book but these are kind of the main ones so we'll we'll talk we'll talk we'll definitely talk a little bit more about each of them but i i want to oh, ask yeah. the question kind of came up of like what is the rubicon protocol because every time we have like a protocol in halo it's kind of a big thing you know it's like, like cult protocol cult protocol um and so what is the what is the rubicon protocol Josie? rubicon protocol is asset denial Stop the banished by any means necessary. Free reign, no permission needed. Just yep. do anything and everything you can. Yeah. So it's kind of like, just throw everything in the kitchen sink at them, and then beat them over the head with the kitchen sink as best you can. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, just do that. That it's it. Free reign to do whatever you want to stop the banished. I, I don't know why, but I've which is kind like of terrifying. Miniature banished in my sink, <laughs> like literally. <laughs> 
just, just shove them down. Just shove them down the yeah, garbage disposal. It's the, fine. The it's garbage fine. <laughs> Turn that shit on. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this is like a. It's kind of like a guerrilla warfare. Like yeah, you said, do whatever you can to stop the banished. Yeah, it, it's very much um, a last resort. Yeah, because yeah, the banished is on Zeta Halo. The Infinity is not here at the moment, and there's a lot of. Uh, the Infinity Survivors running around Zeta Halo. Mm-hmm. There's no leadership, so what can we do? Yeah. Whatever you can. Yeah. And that kind of leads me into my next question for us, which is kind of just our overall thoughts and kind of reaction to to the tones of this book. Yeah. Because... This book is heavy. This book is very heavy. This book is gritty and graphic in a lot of ways that Halo isn't often shown yeah. to be. And this book shows and tells. It, it yeah. shows and tells. Yeah, as usual, Kelly Gay is very good at characters. Um, yeah, she. You know, if you were look, if you're really looking for like the Nyland era militaristic kind of strategy <laughs> explanations and like detailed um, battle plans and maneuvers like the and stuff, loop. I, I like. She's not. That's not her forte. Um, I mean, she's she's good at it, but... Oh, yeah, that's not to say she's bad. Yeah, not to say she's but bad. But where she shines is with the characters. Right. And so this is a book where I think that was really required from an author. Yeah. Um, because yeah. the psychological warfare in this book... Oh, my God. ...is really extreme. Like you were talking about, the Infinity is MIA. Like, we don't... I need to see a body before I declare it dead, because... Yes. I, it's It's... We don't know. We don't know where yeah. it is right now. Yeah. But we do know the UNSC is just completely scattered on the ring mm-hmm. at this point. And the Banished are making headway uh, through territory. Yeah. Um, in in Halo Infinite, we see how the Banished already have control of the ring. Right. In Rubicon Protocol, you see how they are just resting control. That's right. They're just... That's right. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. Yeah, th- th- you're right. Like, this book kind of shows how they actually took control of this ring. Um, and it's kind of, I mean, it's, it's just brutality is what it is Yeah. with like pun intended, I suppose. Um, <laughs> but it's true. I mean, there's that scene This actually irritated the shit out of me. There's that mm-hmm. scene. Um, it's right when I think it's, I think it's Horvath and I think it's right uh-huh. when he makes landing. Um, he comes across some, like a, a contingent of brutes or banished, yeah. or just a bunch of banished, and they are they're corralling like the wildlife, oh. these deer against like a yeah, wall like or something. Yeah, like right right after the ring shattered, right? <sighs> yeah, and so they're trying to they're scav- scavenging is a nice word for uh, for resources, and they just they just tear apart this little group of like deer. Just mm-hmm. it's very gross. Yeah, and, you they, know me. Just... I'm like wildlife biology is amazing, but yeah. um. I was like, I, like they, they really just kind of like raise uh, all of territory and just keep moving yeah. on. And at, at that point too, Horvath makes a note how like he's he's had to hunt before, but he respects that's the, true the act of it. He respects the gift of food. Oh my he god, doesn't take more than he needs. And then here are these brutes just slaughtering for fun. Yeah, it's it's really it's really ugh. like it, it's just a good character moment for Horvath, and also just a good way to show. Um, kind of the banished method of <laughs> taking over territory is just destroy everything and just a total land grab yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um but i mean 
for me, like I could, I could honestly, I kind of remember a point in the middle of the book where I was like, it was, it was like a slightly criticism where I was just like, okay, we get it. This is depressing. (laughs) Everyone's Uh (laughs) like, I remember thinking that I remember thinking like either Lucas or Murphy or somebody was describing how helpless they feel. And I was like, yeah, yeah, we've gotten that for the past 150 pages. Yeah. Um, so I was listening to the audiobook on my drive down. Ah. It was a nine hour drive from, uh, Carson city, Nevada, back down home to LA. Um, I was listening to Rubicon Protocol, so, like, the whole way I was just laser-focused dead ahead of me, thousand-yard stare, going, oh, my God, this is a lot. Oh, my God, this is a lot. Oh, my God. So, <laughs> I, how was the audiobook? Because I, I read it. I didn't, I didn't listen. It was good. Um, Scott Brick. Oh. That, 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 yeah, that's all I got to okay. say. Scott Brick. Yeah. So, it, yeah, it's very good. Um, although now I'm at the, um, at the disadvantage where I don't know how to spell their names, so I just heard them. Oh. <laughs> Yeah. But, um, no, it was a good audiobook. I, I mean, as always, like, I've never had, a, like, I, I think, like, my biggest issue is when I go back to, like, the older audiobooks, like, uh, Ghost of Onyx, I'm like, oh, this isn't Scott Brick. Yeah. But that's it. That's literally all. That's, that's like, yeah, that's, that, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, no, it was a good audiobook. I, I, sometimes I, I, I'm really interested in the way somebody's brain can imagine different things by mm-hmm. reading it and then hearing it. Anyway, that's just a side note. <laughs> I think that's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, my overall, but but like, even though there there's just a ton of depression in this book, mm-hmm. I, there were like little moments of victories. And, oh, yeah. You know. Especially like the moments of camaraderie between the boat crew, like the non-Spartan personnel that we follow. Right. There's a lot of moments where they're helping each other out. They're supporting each other. Even when they're fresh off of Infinity and just battle-scarred and terrified, yeah. you see them grow into basically, like, battle-hardened. There comes a point where, I think it was Horvath who he sees the boat crew, and he wouldn't have guessed that they're not soldiers. Mm-hmm. Because they're not. They're mm-hmm. a barber, a mortuary mm-hmm. specialist, a field medic, yeah. a firefighter, basically. Yeah. What was the moment where they started discussing their talents? Sorry, I'm jumping was... around a little bit. I'm just jumping no, no, you're okay. fine. There was a moment, it's kind of, it's earlier on in the book, Lucas, Murphy, and the rest of the boat crew are going up um, up a very tight pass up a mountain, and an ODST almost knocks yeah. uh, Murphy off the off the edge. So everyone, all the boat crew, the people who have uh, who made it down on the on the same lifeboat as as Murphy, mm-hmm. and like Murphy's kind of like their de facto leader, mm-hmm. like the person that they go to for support because he's 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 a pilot, he's a soldier, and he's been looking out for them. They're all like upset that the ODSTs like didn't even apologize for nearly knocking him off the cliff, right? Mm-hmm. So after not long after that, they take a little fifteen minute break, and they're just talking to each other, um, going like, "Yeah, like we'll never be as good as those ODST over there. No wonder they don't care about us." Blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. And then they start talking about like, "Well, you know, we all have our 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 strengths and weaknesses. Like Lucas, you know how to um, you're a medic, so you know tons of way to help people to heal people. So mm-hmm. that means you know tons of way to get them killed too. You know, you're 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 a you're a barber, so you must be pretty good with the blade." Um, you know how to disarm, defuse bombs and stop fires. So that means you know how to start them too. So it's, it's just really nice seeing them just sit and talk to each other and say like, yeah, we're not soldiers. Yeah. We're way in over our heads. Yeah. This is the worst possible scenario, but we all have our talents and we can all do something to make this situation slightly less miserable. Yeah. And that's like the first big moment where you see the, that camaraderie start to bloom. And yeah. it's just so good. And I really like that it shows how there are other prof- – there's not just soldiers on Infinity. 
I mean, yeah. Infinity is huge. It's like a mini city itself. And so you do have, like, cooks and chef, like, you know, people who do non-soldiery things. Yeah. And I feel like it... that that we had a group of those people really added to the to the stress but also yeah. to kind of you know overcoming the odds it was more satisfying than just having another group of marines of like okay we can we are you know our, our yeah. default you know status is determination and let's go yeah we can do it but like these folks are not soldiers they're not anything else you like your overall thoughts well there's because there's so many characters to follow because there's so many characters, it gets kind of chaotic, so it's hard to follow, like, who's doing what, where are they, what's going on. But, like, the whole situation is stressful. Like, yeah. that, that, I think that adds to the, that adds to the feel of the story. Like, everything is happening so much, basically. Yeah. But, like, it's in a very good way, because that's part of the, of the vibe of the story. Everyone's in disarray, no one knows what to do, this is just a, it's just so much, and so, like, having all these characters we keep jumping around to, mm-hmm. that is very fitting for the story that Kelly's telling. I did find, I also found it a little bit confusing sometimes, or like mm-hmm. I had to be like, okay, where did we live off with this person? Like Horvath, a, a lot. I, I was like, okay, where is he now? Um, Which is funny because Horvath was entirely on his own and Horvath's sections are just about Horvath. <laughs> yeah, I know. But I was just like, I can't, he's, he flew across a gap in the ring on a sentinel. Like now where is he? <laughs> what is he doing now? But the, I think the other thing that was, that added to that was the the time jumps because sometimes you know we had a lot of time yeah. jumps and lots of characters and it was like okay where did they let leave off three months ago um yeah. so that was tricky but I, there's you know not much other you can do than put a timestamp stamp yeah. in the beginning of the chapter so <laughs> yeah you, you know it's like yeah you figure it out readers but but yeah i i agree it was kind of it just added to the stress and you know that they were feeling because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, not only is the UNSC scattered, but um, they're completely disconnected from human space or human yeah. occupied space because they sent out like the Infinity sent out an SOS um, or, or uh, not an SOS, but like a, what are they, communication satellites, I think, when they were yeah. falling, right? Or when they were like yeah. attacked, they sent out these communication satellites in order to relay messages to human occupied space. But... Yeah. <sighs> then the ring, you know, exploded. Thanks, Cortana. And it went into slip space. Um, so, like, even if humans, even if, like, Earth or someone was able to come to that location, there's the ring isn't there. <laughs> yeah. So, like, that's kind, of, that's kind of the whole point of the story. That's kind of the plot of the story, which is they're trying to find a way to send navigational data somehow. Mm-hmm. Um into is to, to somewhere where somebody will get it yeah um it, it's like yeah just like we don't have we can't communicate with anyone outside the ring right we need to we need to be able to do that that that's like the the short and sweet that's the core of the of like the greater plot right yeah and it just adds to the isolation like I, like it's, it's stressful man i get like I yeah. get it. they're just they're just on their own they're just completely on their own because it means that no help is coming. It's just yeah. them. I did want to talk about uh, any kind of uh, like notable parts in particular. I mean, we already kind of have. But yeah. I know we, you and I have a couple <laughs> in particular. Mm-hmm. So, Josie, why don't, why don't you start? Sure. 
so when we're talking about how Horvath got separated from basically everyone for a bit. Yeah. Um, except for a brute, a uh, Hand of Atriox, or a Bloodstar, uh, named Gorian. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was Horvath and Gorian, they're stuck together on a fragment of the ring, and it's so far apart from, like, the rest of the ring that they can't easily get across by themselves. And the problem is it's flipped upside down. When it, and when... it's flipped upside yeah. down. <laughs> And they're losing atmosphere. They only have, like, seven days before they suffocate. Right. So, Horvath convinces Gorian that we need to work together. You can kill me after <laughs> if I don't kill you first, but we need to get on that side of the ring. And it's it's really funny that Horvath just, like, starts goading Gorian into, like, come on, are you, you know, you're so big and strong, and but you need help. Look at you. Something like that, you know? Mm-hmm. So, Horvath just, like, convinces Gorian to help. And then Goran's like, all right, I'll help. But, like, the minute I... The second we're free, I'm going to kill you. And Horvath's like, yeah, not if I kill you first. Yeah. And, like, not even when they're free free and clear. Like, they're... they're they So, like, they start... They find, like, a, a broken down sentinel. So they try to reactivate it. Mm-hmm. And then they're going to ride the sentinel to the other side of the ring. And, like, halfway there, Gorian just starts wailing on Horvath to knock him, knock him off, off the ring and into space. <laughs> so they just and they they both make it to the end to the other side and then Gorian just like looks at him he's like not so tough and he just walks away like he's not even worth it yeah because Horvath is pretty and, beaten um, up at that point yeah Horvath is he gets, he's his armor's failing yeah he he's gets beaten been up th- ruled a ringer yeah um and yeah and then down the line you find out that Gorian's been up to more up to more stuff and is doing a lot of damage and then as soon as yeah. Horvath hears that like there's this brute Bloodstar who's doing a lot of this and he's like shit I could have killed him but I didn't yep yeah I, I, I just really love it when there's like two enemy sides and like I don't like you you don't like me but we need to work together I just love those moments even if they don't end up in them being friends because of course they wouldn't right but it's just really it's it's endearing and it's kind of funny to me to have moments like that and just mm-hmm. Horvath and Gorian interacting for that whole section is Mm-hmm. It's nice. It's mm-hmm. fun. It's stressful. Yeah, it is stressful. It's funny as hell just to imagine a Spartan and a brute traveling across open space in between ring fragments upon mm-hmm. a sentinel. I'm pretty sure it's an aggressor, if yeah. I recall. And like, just... yeah, no, it was an aggressor. No, it was a constructor. They were both holding onto a constructor. <laughs> well, I mean, like, I don't think it was any like thing bigger. Um... Yeah, no, it was an aggressor. <laughs> oh my god. It was a the same one that shot down Gorian's. <laughs> it was the same, uh, I think it was the same Sentinel that shot down Gorian's Phantom. Oh, yeah, of course. That's right. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love Constructors. I haven't thought of Constructors in so long. They're so cute. Okay, sorry. They Side are. Note. I just no, love no, them. No, you're fine. You're fine. <laughs> that actually leads into one of my most notable moments. Oh, yeah? It, All right. What's does. yours? So, because Gorian is still alive, uh, it's actually a Horvath moment, actually, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is when Horvath runs into Oni operative Kate Stalling in the cave. Mm-hmm. So Kate Stalling is an Oni agent who's actually been on the ring since um, the Zeta Halo project. So this is like the research and study of Halo of Zeta Halo. If you remember from Hunters in the Dark, the ONSC has had a presence on Zeta Halo Correct. for quite a while. Yeah. So Kate Stalling has been there for a long time studying... Um, I think it, she's studying, like, high-level critical information forerunner systems or something. Yeah. Um, so that, I okay, I wouldn't call it my favorite, <laughs> but it was a very notable moment because she, I mean, the description of her injuries, because she's basically, the Banished found her, 
tortured her for information, took the information, and left her alive in the cave. But the description of her injuries is horrific. I mean, she's got... Her legs are broken. I think, like, I can't even... It's... I'm, it's gruesome. I honestly was reading it, and I was like, I don't know. How is she still alive? Yeah. Um, That's the thing. They left her alive to die. Yeah. Just awful. So he comes across her, and she tells him they're looking for, it's called the Conspectus Network. But basically, mm-hmm. it's kind of like a data storehouse of all, like all sorts of things for Zeta Halo, like defense systems, navigational de- data, like a lot of stuff Mm -hmm. so i think if i recall correctly she like draws since they took it from her she draws the map to Mm -hmm. or about this conspectus network on the wall or something like i think i think if i'm recalling correctly but yeah basically she gives him the information to go find this network because with this data the banished can absolutely control the ring so it's really sad the way it ends because she asks him to essentially mercy kill her and (sighs) he he can't do it like he just can't bring himself to do it but he is able to give her his pistol and like he helps her hold it to her face (laughs) or her chin and and then he leaves the cave and i think he i think it's like it was just very very poignant like he's standing outside it's like a nice pretty day and he's like looking across the landscape of zeta halo waiting dreading this this gunshot um which takes a while if i recall i think he takes a little bit but it does happen and i think he ends up burying her nearby yeah he he goes right back for her right so yeah that that just i mean you know me i got a soft spot for all oni agents yeah, no, when, when I when I got to that part and I knew she was an Oni agent, I knew you were going to be traumatized. Yeah. For a split second, I think we've talked about this, for a split second, I was like, Veronica? Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, but no, thank god. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I do think it's, as, as grim as this moment is, I think it's kind of amusing when Horvath was talking to Kate, and he's like, you know, give me your name. No, give me your real name. And she's like, Kate Stalling. It's like, yeah, no, that's not a real name. Oh, yeah. It's like I, I know a spook when I see one. Yeah. But, um, her. I mean, as, uh, her alias was um, Jaeger. Yeah, that's right. Just Jaeger. Yeah, yeah. Rip Kate Stalling. I wish I, oh, I wish I knew absolutely. her more. Absolutely. Oh, I mean, we could always have stories set oh, before we could this. Always could. Yeah. What other notable moments did you have on your list? Um. So there was. So we all know that Lucas from in um from Halo Infinite. Uh, Lucas was the one who was forced to open to release the the Harbinger, yes. and he was the one who was basically being like not interrogated, but like strangely being educated by the Harbinger. Like she was messing with his mind, yes. right? Um, so that whole time, Lucas was basically a prisoner of the of the Banished, and he was kept in the tower, and his cell was next to Spartan Griffins. Mm-hmm. And every time Lucas left to talk to be talked to by the Harbinger and come back. He was just slowly, slowly losing his grip on reality. Right. But the whole time, Griffin was there, like, comforting him, trying to keep him with him. You know, like, stay with me. You're going to get through this. You're a tough son of a bitch. Come on, Lucas. You got this. Yeah. And at the, despite Griffin himself also being absolutely tortured the whole time. Yeah. So it, it just, it, it, it sticks out so much. Because when we meet Griffin in Infinite, that's also, like, a really tragic moment. Yeah. 
So just learning more about how Griffin was looking out for someone who was not part of his team. He didn't know him. They never interacted before this. But Griffin is, all he's focused on is keeping Lucas sane. That was really powerful. Yeah. That was, yeah. It's funny, they, they never name Griffin. In fact, he's like... Yeah, Griffin, like, refuses, <laughs> Griffin refuses to tell Lucas who he is. Yeah, because I think Because it's better he don't know. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Because if Lucas finds out that they captured a Spartan, right. and Griffin, the Spartan who's been leading the Mortal Reverie for the time being, right. that would be really... That would break Lucas. So Griffin yeah. never told Lucas who he was. Right. The readers know, but Lucas was just... This, there's, just one, there's a soldier uh, encouraging him to just hang in there as best he can. Yeah. Lucas has quite a story in this book. He He's only... Oh he, I think he's like 26 or something. Yeah, he's, he's, he's young. young. And he... He, he, his story is just like a slow descent into insanity. Yeah. The poor and guy. It, it, it all because he, he sacrificed himself to let, to make sure the boat crew can get away safe. Yeah. And he thought he was going to die. So, uh, after the assault on the mortal, mortal reverie, there's a big battle that happens at the mortal reverie. And it, it basically what leads to the banished finding outpost Tremonius, which is like the first banished outpost you find in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, the, after the UNSC just totally loses that battle, uh, Lucas and the rest of the boat crew, they're running away. They're looking for a place to hide. They come across a cave and then they, they, they go in, they're waiting. And then a banished search party comes out and they're getting close. And Lucas knows. Oh, and also, um, Kovan's armor locks. So Kovan can't protect them. Right. And if, if they find them, Kovan's going to be the first person they see. Because she's just face down in the mud. Her armor's locked. Can't do anything. Right. So Lucas, after having gone through so much growth, being like a, a soldier now and being like, being able to take almost anything. And like, you know, he, he's a survivor now. He, th- he thinks that the only way that the rest of his crew can survive is if he bolts out, gets banished to chase him and lead him away from everyone else. And that leads yeah. to him being captured, taken prisoner, and interacting with the Harbinger. And I mean, hit, the, 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 the details of the redoubt of Sundering, the, the processing <sighs> station where he's taken um, as a prisoner. This, this is a POW processing station. So mm-hmm. he's taken to this place where all of these other prisoners are. And it's horrific. <laughs> Like they, it's, the it's weak rough. ones are thrown in a chamber, and like I think a grunt tossed a gas, like some kind of gas in there. Was it methane? Yeah, probably. <laughs> it was probably methane. Um, but they're gassed, and the strong, quote strong ones, are used. Uh, you know, for whatever reason, like Lucas yeah. was used for interfacing with forerunner stuff, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is also a human banished member at that camp. Yeah. Do you remember that? I do. And that was like the worst part too. Yeah. And that just adds to that. Like once again, that psychological warfare, because Lucas describes it as seeing someone, a human on the other side with the banished as just like baffling and, and, and indescribable. It, he can't, yeah. he can't wrap his head around the logic there. The, like the banished, they're, they're smart. They're not dumb. They they have right. intentionally are having a human process exactly. the other prisoners. Yeah, that was the that was very intentional. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, like rounding back to just kind of 
Lucas and the Harbinger. We don't find out too much more about the Harbinger in this book. Um, We do see a little bit more detail of how she affects humans, like Mm -hmm. physically, like he, he, because he, the whole, the whole being in war is one thing, but I think the the very, um, I don't know, potent effect from the Harbinger on Lucas is, it, it kind of drives him insane. He goes crazy. He he start he can't he also can't like talk of it. So he tries to report, like he tries to tell Griffin when they're back in the cell, and he he cannot actually say words about the Harbinger. Like his brain physically can't say it. Like mm-hmm. she has some kind of power over that. It's very weird. Yeah. It's very freaky and weird. It's it's going back to how she quoted the grave mind and infinite. I mean, it's very primordial. <laughs> it's very primordial. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, like, I'm, here I am wondering, like, is there a connection to the Flood, or is this just to, like, highlight the severity of this threat by comparing it to the Gravemind? I think it's, Cause, I uh, think it's A. I it, think. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. We don't know. No. It's another really good callback, because when Lucas is trying to tell Griffin what's going on, he just, he can only repeat his serial number. Yeah. Which calls back to when Captain Keys was oh being probed by the, by the Gravemind on on installation zero four you're right although in this case that was keys intentionally only giving him his his uh his serial number trying to remember who he was yeah yeah true but then when he when he couldn't hang on anymore that's all he gave the grave mind yeah like he just kept saying this is all you're getting from me i'm just giving you my number yeah but the grave mind already had everything so what 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 does what does the harbinger have that was very poetic <laughs> but the grave mind already <laughs> had everything give me an audiobook narrator josie Look, hey, listen. <laughs> maybe one day. I, maybe one day. <laughs> I, I do like to talk a lot, so I don't know. <laughs> oh, you're in the right medium. Yeah. I'll, I'll figure out how to get voice acting going. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. But yeah, um, definitely notable. I mean, Lucas's story was one of my favorites. Oh um, my god, I felt... I, I already like felt bad for him in Infinite, and yeah. after after this, yeah. The only silver lining is that there's no confirmation that Lucas is dead. Right, and actually, and in fact, like Kovan and the team are like that's they kind of end the book wanting to go get him. Yeah. So we don't know what happens. Yeah, that's that is a silver lining. I agree. Yeah. So like, as traumatic and depressing as the story is, it does kind of end on a not a high note, but like. A shred of hope. A hopeful note, which... And honestly, that's... Isn't that That what, is so that what, much better than nothing. Isn't that what Halo's about? Yeah, always. Mm-hmm. Hope is a very strong theme. Just and it's believe. definitely here. That's for sure. Yeah. I do want to touch on a couple more things. Mm-hmm. One is... So, uh, one thing that I think this book did pretty well, because we had a lot of characters, we so we did know, for sure, the fates of some of them, of course. Like, Stone... We knew a lot of the fates about the Spartans. But we also had these characters, these new characters that we were um, introduced to, getting to know, yeah. uh, appreciating. And I, I truly was scared for all of them. That There was no point yeah. where I was like, uh, oh, they'll, they won't die. They're fine. <laughs> like, <laughs> From the beginning, you know the end. Yeah. So for, so for like Lucas, I knew we didn't, or at least an infinite, I knew like he his death wasn't described, but I still was mm-hmm. like, I don't. I, I, like what how far is rubicon protocol gonna go Pat, yeah. like into the campaign i'm always not sure about that but i was also sure just about like the more side characters like 
is it Bender? Is that what his name was? Bender, yeah. And some of the other folks from the boat crew. One of them that I was worried for was Murphy. And I guess I was right to worry because he sacrifices himself in the the very later parts of the book for them to be able to finally get the navigational data transmitted. I will never be able to play Spartan Ops the same way again. Right? (laughs) When I figured out what was happening, when I saw, like, he, he jumps in front of a, the plasma fire. I don't, it, yeah, I don't even remember. Plasma rifle or something. And he jumps in front, and like when I realized what was happening, I was like, no, no, no. I, li- I literally was saying the words like, no, 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 no. Please, no. I definitely cried when he died. Oh, yeah. Same. Yeah. Like a baby. Yeah, that was sad. That was rough. One other, one really last thing I wanted, mm-hmm. I really, really liked was uh-huh. when Horvath and Lucas meet for the first time. Horvath eventually oh. meets up with the team. Like the yeah, main... over the over the makeshift SOS radio. Yeah. Oh, okay. So it actually wasn't. Oh, I guess it was during the on the radio. I can't actually yeah, remember. Well, was it? I guess it was yeah. on the radio. Yeah, it was really early on. It was before the ring broke apart. Okay, so it was they're talking, and I don't know if it was like the accent, but somehow mm-hmm. they 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 find out that they're both from Alluvion, the uh, yeah. it's like an outer colony, and the way Kelly Gay described when people find because we there's so many colonies there's so many uh there's so know, many worlds so many worlds yeah that people can hail from she described it as like when you find like <laughs> your your like fellow home worlder or whatever mm-hmm. like it's like an extra special kind of connection and i yeah. thought that was so cool i am i love like the interplay between colonies and stuff and i really really love that little detail of like when you find someone that's from your your stomping grounds it's like it's it's cool it's extra special i i actually know like how that feels yeah like whenever i'm talking to someone and they speak spanish and we're we're talking about like oh where are you from like oh i'm from mexico it's like oh no way me too like where where i'm from from jalisco from guadalajara i'm like oh no way that's that's where my family comes from it's exactly it's 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 really just, it feels so heartwarming just yeah. to know, like, oh my god, we're from the same place. Yeah, yeah. I I thought that was I thought that was. I mean, that's you're you're totally right. That's very relatable. I yeah. mean, who doesn't <laughs> react in some way when you're like, oh, yeah. I'm from this town. You're like, oh, that that is my hometown too. Yeah. Now to just translate that feeling to like yeah, magnify a galactic it. scale. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I just think that's really neat. It was. Also, I have already said it before. But I'm calling it now. I called it back whatever we did. We talked about Lucas Browning first. Josie, you've uh-huh. heard me talk about this a thousand bazillion times. But I have. I am totally convinced that Lucas Browning is part of the Browning family that established or founded Coulter Browning, the um, school that's on circumstance that Halsey went to. This is the university of like, it's where she like completed her degree and mm-hmm. studied to be a doctor. Anyway, that's my spiel. He's a medic. <laughs> he said that his family was medics. So I was like, okay, I'm calling it now. He's part of the Browning family. Counterpoint Browning's uh, lineage traces back all the way to John Browning. So he's uh, comes from a family of, of weaponsmiths. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, ¿por qué no los dos? ¿Por qué no los dos? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like... Honestly, Kelly Gay's always been just incredible about characters, and as depressing as this story has been, there's just so many little, like we said, little yeah. little bits of hope here and there that make this, like, not such a... It's it's a bad time, but it's 
it's it's a good bad time. Yeah, it's a good bad time. Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, little character moments. Are, she's just she's very good at pulling the the terrible feelings out of you, but also sprinkling in really uplifting little you know seeds mm-hmm. of hope. Yeah, the little little points of light. Oh, <laughs> ha ha. Yeah, and so at the end of the book, kind of just so they do finally transmit the location, their location yeah. into space. So that's kind of where we end, uh, mm-hmm. right before the campaign starts, right before yeah. Echo. Oh God, Brohammer. Brohammer. I forget it. What sixteen <laughs> something? Two sixteen? Three sixteen? One of them. Fernando Esparza. Right before he finds Chief, that's kind of where the book ends, and we know that mm-hmm. at least something has been sent out into the void yeah telling them where the ring is whoever them is at this point it's like just a matter of time before the unsc support comes and finds them i'm holding out for swords of sanghelio support yeah i mean be great just seeing a couple of sanghelio ships just jumping out just outside orbit of uh zeta halo launching their their phantoms and drop ships down and (laughs) helping the unsc for some reason i picture osman and hood on rossback's world like chilling on the beach drinking a pina colada <laughs> this message comes in and bb is like hey sounds like uh sounds like they need help here's the location and they're like nah yeah. they <laughs> got it there's no they're way fun. osmond would pass up a chance to do something like this though there's yeah, no, no way osmond would just sit there and drink a pina colada oh, i don't know just give her some ginger and she'll be like all right I'm. I'm oh good. yeah for her slip space issues yeah <laughs> yeah well <laughs> I don't know. I would love to see the shadow of intent just pop out of nowhere and start opening fire on the banner dreadnoughts, but that's just me. I mean, I wonder what Halo Outcast is going to bring because that's yep. got Arby on the cover along with Vale. And Vale. So we'll see. Yeah. I kind of feel like that's going to tie a little because it's Troy Denning as well. I feel like that's going to tie a little bit more into Divine Wind. Yeah, probably. But like the the profit part of Divine Wind, I'm not sure about yeah. Veda, but I think. Um, like, I wouldn't rule out like a little Veda reference. Probably so, like, he lo- he really does love cameoing, but um, I, I just feel like I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I don't really and know. Troy, Troy knows what we like. He knows what we personally like. You and I. Yeah. We do we it. know these books are catered specifically for us. Do That's it for Monica and Josie, Troy. Yeah. Give us more <laughs> do Veda. Veda. Do it for the Veda Lopez fan club. Just just stick Veda in what was somewhere. In, what was in the note? Yeah. What was in the note, Troy? <laughs> Tell us. Oh, but yeah, we're. Get a little off track, but that's fine. That's but yeah, no, there's fine. there's two two books we're looking for, forward to now. I know. Outcast and Epitaph. I can't believe we just found out Kelly Gay's writing that, another novel while we are doing Rubicon the, Protocol pra- uh, prep. Whatever the opposite to uh, my disappointment is immeasurable, my day is ruined. <laughs> but the opposite of that is what I'm feeling right now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, so, I mean, if... obviously we really loved the book. Absolutely. Despite, you know, uh, despite it being kind of a, a downer. Look, but, but, um, tra- but, tragedies are good for a reason. Yeah. and it They make you cry. Sense. Yeah. And a lot of the, like, a lot of the people who died here, like Stone, who else? <laughs> Murphy. <laughs> they all, they all sacrificed something and, like, it, yeah. it, it they, they helped the cause. It, I feel they like didn't just none of the deaths were die. meaningless. Yeah, like Stone was able to corrupt that data that she she stole the data from the banished and was able to corrupt mm-hmm. it and copy it so that when she was found, she clowned on Jager Adomni for a bit. Yeah, she did. She did. She took out like an entire group of banished down there. Yeah. But any final thoughts, Josie, on Rubicon Protocol? I mean, I I, I 
this is a good book. Very this good was book. a good book. I'm I'm like in the middle of my 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 second read of the book, and mm-hmm. I every every beat is still hitting me as hard as the first time. So that's a good sign. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, it's it's a fantastic book, and if you get a chance, like please read it. Yeah. Um, if you're familiar with Kelly Gay's work, you already know how just it's gonna blow you away. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's just great. It's please go. It, it's it's tragic and it hurts a lot and it's very painful, but that that that's you kind of know that going in. I mean, it's kind of painful in the way Reach is painful. Yeah, exactly. Like you know, it's not it's not a happy story. Yeah, but there are, it's still enjoyable. <laughs> yeah. It, it, like it Fall of Reach crazy. too. Like you you pick up the book Fall of Reach. Oh, John knows Reach. Nothing would ever happen <laughs> to Reach. Mm, I don't know about that. <laughs> His home would not fall. Uh-oh, uh-oh, John. Uh-oh. Thank you, Brian, <laughs> Brian Hibble, David for that one. <laughs> Gilbert. So funny. BDG, if you're out there. Uh-oh, John. One thing I did see, one last, very last thought was... um it. I did see a little bit of criticism that there weren't any banished perspectives. Um, but yeah. I did not miss that, to be no, honest with I, you. Yeah, I, I always love a perspective from the opposite side, but we already got a lot of characters, a lot of UNSC characters, right. so that's... And it's not like there wasn't any banished POV at all. Like, maybe not their point of view, but, you know, there's interactions with Gorian, there's Jager Adamni's there. Right. Um, you know, they mentioned Esherom. I don't think Esherom. it was needed. Like, I, I no. just don't think it was needed here. Yeah. Um, and like you said, there were just already so many characters to juggle. Yeah. I mean, because it wasn't needed because it was very clear of what their objective was. It's not like they yeah. were, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. Th- this this was absolutely a human story. Yeah. I, I, I would have loved banished pov but i don't think it needed it yeah same like i still would like it at yeah. some point but i don't know if this book in particular would have benefited from it like i feel like it would have it would have yeah it would have just kind of taken away from the tension mm-hmm. because because you kind of don't really know what the banished are gonna do next or where they're gonna be next with your yeah with your characters as you're walking through the ring with them because there is a lot of walking in this book yeah yeah <laughs> oh zeta yeah. halo man if you have a yeah. book with Zeta Halo, you're going to be walking. A lot of walking. Jeez. Primordium flashbacks. <laughs> but yeah, no, I didn't, I didn't either have any other thoughts other than that. I think this was our first book club. Yeah, first first book club. Congratulations, Josie. We Congratulations, did it. Monica. Yay. <laughs> we did it. We did it. But yeah, thanks thanks for joining us again. Yeah, um, I'm sure it's going to be the first of many. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. It, it just, just an excuse to reread all the books now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What? Um, I have to yeah. reread Ghost of Onyx? My favorite oh, book of the... in the world? I, I've lost count how many times I've read Ghost of Onyx, Mon. I, I, yeah. It is. It's so... Um, so, I mean, maybe that'll be the next one. Who knows? Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about it. <laughs> we will. We will. Yeah. Um, but thanks for joining us again. Yeah. We will catch you guys next time. And please, if you haven't read it, Rubicon Protocol. Read it. It's amazing. Read it. Uh, if, if you have, uh, read it again. Or, you know, just cry about it some more because i definitely will be i think it was actually one of the i think uh it it made a bestseller list i don't know which list but kelly gay i remember tweeting her tweeting she was like this is actually a first for me thank you so much well Um, deserved yeah well deserved with that excellent news Mm -hmm. (laughs) we will catch you guys next time yep bye bye guys